Well, good morning, y'all. We are so incredibly excited that each and every one of you guys are here with us, as Des said. And I don't know about you guys, I can only speak for myself, but in that moment, there's something that does my heart good to hear a group of people all exclaiming together, just voices, I'll praise you on the mountain, and I'll praise you in the heartache all the same. We have a God who reaches back, whether we stand on the mountaintop, but a God who trudges through the valley moments of our lives with us. This morning, we find ourselves bringing to a close this series that has launched our 2023 with our seventh and final part. And some of y'all are like, finally, we are there to the end of this series that we have been calling Win the Day. And throughout this series, we've been talking about the ways in every single one of our lives and our habit formation, how we flip the script and kiss the wave and fly the kite and cut the rope and wind the clock. And everywhere... Every piece of this series has pointed us in the same direction of how you and I begin to instill some different habits in our lives that allow us with our 2023s for the sake of our futures to be able to stress less and accomplish more. And I think deep inside of every single one of us, what we could not deny if confronted with this truth is that if we could just do those two things in all lives with our stories in 2023, this year would be vastly different than any of the rest. But the rub that we've encountered throughout this series is one that we've addressed every week along the way, and it's this, that for every single one of us, change is uncomfortable. Enacting change in our lives is difficult. It is no small feat, no small task for us to make the decision in our lives for us to make some adjustments in the things we do in the direction we're heading. And what may make change even more difficult for many of us is this thought of not just enacting change in our lives, but having to enact change every day for the next six months or year or five years or decade of our lives to begin to see the desired results and outcome that we want. That that thought of having to carry out change in our lives every single day for an extended period of time is often the thing that returns us back to the status quo every year of our past. Hoping that we'll just go back to normal because that's comfortable, but hopefully there will be something miraculous happens that even though we do the same things we've always done, the results will be vastly different in this new year. And what many of us have experienced time and time again is this, is that life just doesn't work that way. Is that you don't move in a better direction, in a healthy direction by accident. You never end up where you intended to go by simply drifting through life. It requires us to have the courage to enact change in our habits, in our dreams, and in our desires. And maybe one of the things that we've never done up until this point in our lives and our attempt to enact change and to see different results in our lives is to begin to first change the way we think about change. That what if change actually became something that, that we could continue to carry out in our lives if we started to think differently about change? That we stopped seeing it as a six-month-long or one-year-long or two-year-long or decade-long sort of adjustment in our life 
And we began to simply ask ourselves every single morning when we wake up this question that we have made the focal point of this series every week along the way. And it's this. Can I simply do it for a day? Can you do it for a day? Can I enact the right thing, the healthy thing, the best thing for today? That I stop looking at tomorrow and whether I can accomplish that tomorrow and the day after that, but can I simply pull that off today? Can I adjust my life to just win this day? But as we arrive at the last week of this series, here's the rub that we address this morning. Well, every single one of the first six weeks of this series has addressed small steps that we can implement into our habits that bring about change in our lives and desired results for our future that our God wants us to experience. Everything that we have talked about up until this point, while it keeps those habits accomplishable, have only addressed the things that change us immediately, that bring about results right now in our stories. But for this final part of our our series, what we'd be remiss if we didn't discuss and we didn't tie a bow with is this, is that in order for us to really enact lasting change in our lives, we must embrace this reality, that what I do now isn't just for now. That what I do today isn't just for today. Sure, we all know making today great is obviously about today. But what we often miss is also that making tomorrow great is about today. And furthermore, even when you don't see results today from the positive change that you're enacting in your life, maybe some of y'all have encountered that in these first six weeks, that you started to enact some change day by day and just winning the day and flipping the script or eating the frog or kissing the wave or cutting the rope or flying the kite or winding the clock. And yet in that day, you haven't seen the desired results that you were hoping for immediately that maybe you've begun to discover that winning the day isn't just about immediate gratification. Sometimes it's about doing something today that seeds the clouds for the results you want tomorrow. In 1946, there was a chemist working for General Electric by the name of Vincent Schaefer. And he had been tasked with this mission, this dream almost, that he had conspired of how possible it would be to recreate the things in nature we want to see. Natural happenstances, where it, was it possible for mankind to create those things and make them happen? And of this dream, as he began to go to work, Vincent Schaefer acquired a small sub-zero freezer in his laboratory. And with that small sub-zero free freezer and tons of research, he discovered that within that sub-zero freezer, with only the condensation of his own breath, he could create a cloud in that freezer. And then what he discovered was this, is that by adding a small amount of dry ice to the cloud he had created with his own breath in that sub-zero freezer, that dry ice would turn into small snow crystals. But upon this discovery, Vincent Schaefer decided it was time for a field test. On November 13th, 1946, he rented a plane. 
And as the pilot flew him headfirst into a cumulus cloud in the Berkshire Mountains, Vincent Schaefer's packing list was one thing. A six-pound carton of dry ice. And as they flew face first into that cumulus cloud and popped the hatch on the side of that small plane, he proceeded to dump that six pounds of dry ice right into the middle of the cumulus cloud. And on that day in 1946, for miles around the Berkshire Mounted, you can see the snowstorm that was produced by the seeding of the clouds. The G monogram had some fun in their news report of what Vincent Schaefer had discovered on that day. And they wrote, today, Vincent Schaefer made it snow over Pittsfield. Tomorrow, he walks on water. But in that day, Vincent Schaefer had made this determination that he was going to do what he could today to seed the clouds for what he wanted tomorrow. He simply did the work today to unlock the impossible tomorrow. And seeding the clouds is the act in every single one of our lives of understanding that in our lives, in our journeys, with our 2023s, we have that exact same opportunity that is presented to every single one of us each and every day. That we have an opportunity each day to seed the clouds by doing what we can do today to open the doors for God to do what only he can do tomorrow. But let's be clear. The habit of seeding the clouds, while re-uncovering it in this story of Vincent Schaefer, is as old as the prophet Elijah. In the middle of a nation-altering drought. Several thousand years ago, we pick up the story of a man named Elijah who found himself living in the nation of Israel at a time in which the nation of Israel had not seen rain for over three and a half years. And what they saw as they looked out to the future is the same thing that you and I have seen time and time again. That if things don't change, their future looked bleak. That in order for them to move in the direction they wanted to move, things had to change and they had to change quick. And so what did Elijah decide to do? If he wanted different results tomorrow, he had to start doing things differently today. And he began by seeding the clouds. We pick up this story in the book of 1 Kings, chapter 18. And if you haven't done so already, it's a perfect opportunity for you to grab that weekly that we gave you when you walked in. And if you crack that baby open, you'll find a notes page that we've designed specifically for you. It'll help you follow along. Maybe you're brave enough to even reach into the seat back in front of you and grab a pen and you can take some notes as we go. Or if that's not your style, everything will come up on the screen for you as well. But here is how that moment in time and the life of this man, Elijah, progresses. Starting in verse 41. Then Elijah said to Ahab, go get something to eat and drink, for I hear a mighty rainstorm coming. So Ahab went to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel and bowed low to the ground and prayed with his face between his knees. Then he said to his servant, go and look out toward the sea. The servant went and looked and then returned to Elijah and said, I didn't see anything. Seven times Elijah told him to go and look. Finally, 
The seventh time his servant told him, I saw a little cloud about the size of a man's hand rising from the sea. And then this is so incredible, y'all. Then Elijah shouted, Hurry to Ahab and tell him, climb into your chariot and go back home. If you don't hurry, the rain will stop you. The rain will be so fierce. All I see is a cloud the size of a man's hand, but I see rain coming so fierce that you won't even be able to make it home. And soon the sky was black with clouds. A heavy wind brought a terrific rainstorm. Let me fill in the gaps for you. And for the first time in three and a half years, the nation of Israel had seen their life-altering drought broken, and Ahab left quickly for Jezreel. In this moment, something happened that was so unexpected and yet so incredible. Their future, their tomorrows, were set in a new direction because of this one choice, because of this one moment. And make no mistake about it, there was a setting of the table that had to take place for that moment. There was a setting of the table that had to take place for their future to be moved in a different direction. There were steps that had to be taken to seed the clouds for them to experience rain. And I believe with all of my heart that some of the steps that Elijah took several thousand years ago are still steps that you and I, no matter how ordinary you may feel, no matter how broken your circumstances seem to be, steps that you and I, for the sake of our 2023s and beyond and all lives, to set a new course and a new direction, to ensure that all lives, and furthermore, if you're a Christ follower, our journeys with Jesus are different this year than what they've ever been in the past. Steps that we are more than capable of taking to seed the clouds in our own lives and our own stories. Things that we can do today to set the table for our tomorrows. And so how do we seed the clouds? Well, if we follow Elijah's example, what we find is that there are three distinct things that every single one of us can do in our stories right here at the beginning of our 2023s that make it clear that we understand what I do now isn't just for now. And I'm seeding the clouds in this moment to do something for my tomorrows. The first is this is that in order for us to seed the clouds, we have to become people who are capable of having a stronger imagination. Do you know what imagination is? It's seeing what is not yet there. Do you realize that as human beings, each of us, regardless of where you find yourself in this journey, this spectrum of a relationship with God, that each of us were created in the image of God? And do you know what that means? In being created in the image of God, one of the strongest characteristics that we were given in his image is right there in that word, the ability to imagine. Do you realize that our God knows what all life and our plan and our purpose was before he even formed you in your mother's womb? That's the kind of imagination that our God has. And we were created in that image to be able to see what is not yet there, to be able to believe in bigger and stronger and greater tomorrows than what we've experienced in our past or what we're living in our present. And we talked about this some last week, this concept with time that everything is created twice. Anything that becomes an action first 
started with, an, with our imagination. It first began as a thought. And what I believe with all of my heart is that if you're anything like me in the seasons of life in which you find yourself living a normal life, most likely it's because you have a normal imagination. Y'all okay? If you have a normal life or a less than normal life, the reality is, is most likely you have a normal imagination. Years ago, a laryngologist was approached by a man who was having significant trouble with something that was restricting his ability to carry out his profession. A professional opera singer had made an appointment with the laryngologist. And the issue that he found himself having is that he was unable to hit notes that were clearly within his vocal range. And unknown to him and immediately to the laryngologist, they could not figure out why this was happening. These notes were notes that he had been able to sing before. They were clearly within his vocal range of notes that he should have been able to hit. And yet for some reason, he was unable to do so. And after hundreds of tests, what they discovered was this is that at some of the greatest points of the song, this professional opera singer with his voice was hitting over 140 decibels. Now, for those of you who are unfamiliar with decibels, let me give you a little correlation. You think it's loud in this room? During worship, we keep it about 88 to 92 decibels in this room. 140 decibels at some points of his song. And what they began to discover and and uncover was this is that the voice cannot reproduce what the ear cannot hear. And because this man was singing so loud, his ears were actually becoming deafened by the sound of his own voice. And it was restricting his ability to sing notes that were clearly within his own range. Correlation? That you can't live what you don't see. And our ability to see unborn tomorrows that God wants for all lives and our futures, our ability to live out an imagination that we have been given is restricting our ability to live the lives we were designed to live. You can't live what you can't see. And only God imagination is one that chooses to see the invisible, hear the inaudible, and believe the impossible. There's an old axiom that states, those who hear not the music think the dancer is mad. And if you're a Christ follower in the room, this is where I challenge you to lean in for just a second. If you want your 2023 to look different, there should be some moments in 2023 in which the world looks at you as if you are mad. Because you have been given the gift of hearing a music that the rest of the world does not hear in the form of the still, small voice of God. And yet oftentimes, we become deafened to that still, small voice in our lives. We become deaf to the sound of the voice of our Creator. And when that happens, our God-given imagination always suffers. You see, we see this imagination being lived out full force in Elijah at the very beginning in verse 41 when we go back. This is what it says. Then Elijah said to Ahab, go get something to eat and drink, for I hear a mighty rainstorm coming. Elijah was hearing something that no one else was even listening for. 
Elijah was hearing something that no one had seen or heard for over three and a half years. But Elijah had an imagination not for what was humanly possible. He had an imagination for what was God possible. You want to be able to do that? Two simple things. And we've talked about these things throughout this series. First, if we want to better hear the still, small voice of God, sometimes we have to stop listening to the voice of the world around us. It is so easy for the sound and the noise and the hustle of the world around us to drown out that still, small voice of God in our lives. And we ask the question, why is his voice so still and so small? Because the God of the universe wants you to lean in. He wants to be in intimate relationship with you. He doesn't want to have to shout across all of your other stuff to you. He wants you to draw close to him. Sometimes we have to turn off the noise of the world around us. And secondly, sometimes we have to turn off our own negative self talk. We talked about this in week one, right? Cleveland Clinic study, 60,000 thoughts fire across the synapse of our brain every single day, and the average human being, 80% of them are negative thoughts. Newsflash, that's a process to work through to bring that 80% significantly down. We may be seven weeks into this series and you're like, I still haven't quite figured out how to get rid of that, how to turn that down. Working through that takes time. And so as we work through that, sometimes we just need to turn it off. We don't know how to turn down the volume. Sometimes we just need to say, I'm just not listening to that negative self-talk inside of me anymore until I get that under handles in my life. We stop listening to the sound around us and sometimes we have to stop listening to the sound inside of us to begin to hear that still small voice of God and our lives. You see, here's the rub with all of that, is that so often we find ourselves missing the still small voice of God and listening to all the voices around us and unsure of where to go to hear more of that voice and to open up our imagination to what is God possible. And I just want to simplify it for me and for you. If you want your imagination to be open to the God possible, pick up this book, God's Instruction Manual for Our Lives. It's full of stories, and I hate saying stories because it's really accounts of real lives, men and women just like you and I who struggle in life on this earth and have their own circumstances that they're up against and their own doubts that they're up against and their own difficulties that they're up against. Full of stories all throughout this that when we pick it up, we read again and again and again about how God has come through with what can only be deemed God possible that seemed impossible to man but is possible to God. And hear me on this, God possible moments that are still possible today. The God of Elijah is still the God of Ben Carver. The God of Moses and Jacob and Abraham and Peter and John, all of those dudes, we have the same God who is fighting for us and wants to show up and show off in our lives and in our stories as well. But here is the difficulty. As human beings, there is something that naturally happens to us cognitively as we age that fights against our ability to develop a strong imagination, a God-given imagination. And it's this. 
neurologists have obviously studied the human brain over and over and over again. And what they found beyond a shadow of a doubt is this, is that as humans, as we age, our, the, the central focus of our brain shifts with each passing year from the right brain dominance to a left brain dominance. Why is that so significant? Because the right brain is the side of the brain that controls our imagination. The left brain is the side of our brain that is based purely on logic. As we age with each passing year, what becomes natural to us as humanity is for us to have less imagination and more logic. For us to stop seeing the God possible and to only see what's logically, humanly possible in every single one of our stories and in every single one of our lives. But if we just go with what's natural as we age, we will more and more live our lives only by what we think is possible. That's when you stop living by faith and you start living by logic. That's when you stop creating a future and start repeating the past. That's when you stop really living like we talked about last week and you start really dying. You see, most people die long before the numerals on their tombstone simply because they've allowed their thoughts and their life be driven purely by logic and to be boxed in by what they believe is humanly possible. And we've blocked out an entirely incredible part of all lives that's God possible, that God wants to to do and use in all lives. You want to seed the clouds? Lean into a stronger imagination. Secondly, if you want to seed the clouds, We have to become people who are capable of being patiently persistent. We have to develop a patient persistence in our lives. This is what it looked like for Elijah. Then he said to his servant, go and look out toward the sea. The servant went and looked, then returned to Elijah and said, I didn't see anything. Seven times Elijah told him to go back and look. Elijah just keeps sending him back. He just keeps praying for the seemingly impossible. His persistence is uncanny, but Elijah's persistence opens the door to a different and better future. Almost seven years ago around here, we did a series called The Circle Maker. And this entire series was based on the life of a man named Honey. Honey we find in between the the Old Testament and the New Testament. And those 400 years of silence. And Honey finds himself living a similar nightmare in the nation of Israel to what Elijah found himself in. in. In fact, twice as great a nightmare. Honey found himself living at a time in which the nation of Israel was experiencing a seven year long famine. And yet, Honey's legacy on this earth was defined in one moment. In the midst of that seven-year-long drought, he walked out the front door of his house onto his land and with a stick drew a circle around himself. And he prayed out to God, God, I will not leave this circle and stop praying until you deliver rain. And he prayed, and he prayed, prayed, and he prayed until God sent rain. You see, the reality is, 
is too often we develop a habit of ASAP prayers. God, I need you right now to come through for me as soon as possible. I need you to rescue. There's this thing that's broken, this thing that's not right, and I need you to do something about it ASAP. Do it right now. And God, if you don't come through and I don't see you moving, then I'm going to take back control. So go ahead. I started the stopwatch. You got about 24 hours to give me the ASAP, or I'm going to deem that I'm more fit to run and control my life and determine my direction. We continue to live our prayer lives out as if we are supposed to be praying ASAP prayers when sometimes we need to be developing a habit of ALAT prayers as long as it takes as long as it takes God I believe that this is right I believe that this is the best direction I believe that this is the deficiency in my city or my world in which I'm being called to stand in the gap and so God I'm in this thing for as long as it takes I'm going to circle this in prayer and I'm going to stay in it and maybe the question that you and I should be asking ourselves every single day, and maybe we don't ask it, I don't ask it because it's a difficult question to ask. When's the last time we've spent more than a day or a week or a month being persistent about something in our faith? Silence for dramatic effect. Y'all okay? When's the last time you've spent more than a day or a week or a month being persistent about something for your faith? You see, the answer to that question will often reveal the kind of future that awaits you. As Christ followers, we should be known for our uncanny persistence that we are in this till the end, that we are sticking with this, that we are not going anywhere, that we're loving our city, loving our world, standing in the gap, even when it hurts us, even when we don't see the results we want to see, that we are persistent because we believe this is right, we're convicted to it, and we're going to continue to keep on keeping on. You see, if you want to dream big dreams, you better think long, because no big dream will come as quickly as you'd like. With Elijah, even after seven attempts, sending him back again and again and again, the outlook looked bleak. This is all he got after seven attempts. In verse 44, finally the seventh time his servant told him, I saw a little cloud about the size of a man's hand rising from the sea. That doesn't sound like rain to me, y'all. It didn't look like anything was happening. Any progress was taking place. And yet Elijah just kept after it. And I don't know about y'all, maybe it's just me who has these kind of squirrels that are running through his head. But for me, I find myself asking the question often, what if Elijah would have stopped after six attempts? What if the Israelites would have determined, we've had enough of walking around these walls of Jericho, we've done it for six days, not even a block has fallen, I don't think God's going to do anything. We're tired, we're exhausted, let's throw in the towel and just go back to life as normal. Maybe there's another promised land out there. What if Moses would have said, I'm tired of Pharaoh saying no, he's done it nine times, and I was right all along. I told God I wasn't the right person for the job. I don't know how to communicate in public well. He should never have sent me. Do you know what would have happened if they'd have stopped on the sixth time? If they'd have stopped on the ninth time? They would have forfeited the miracle just before it happened, y'all. 
patient persistence keeps going because it doesn't want to forfeit the miracle. It believes in a big God, and it doesn't let go of that hope that presses it forward every single day. It trusts the long game. It's a discussion that we have had over and over again as it pertains to to this big, hairy, audacious goal that we're jumping into called the Dream Center. You know, one of the things that, that we've dreamt is that, yes, even at a church of now 250 people on a Sunday morning, that no matter how crazy this thing is and how little of sense it makes, that we wanted to be a place that stood in the gap. And we wanted to be a place that attacked the problems of our city in the appropriate way. And one of the things for those of you who, who live in Shelby or have lived in Shelby, you know one of the rising problems within our city is the drug problem. And there have been many of discussions and many of questions of how do we stand in the gap and how do we do something about that? And what we began to discover and what we've been, been able to discuss is really this reality. That if we want to make a dent in the drug problem of our city and our world, it doesn't begin by fixing this generation. It begins by making an impact in the next generation. By investing our lives and our time and our resources into helping kids understand that there's a hope they can attach their life to that isn't a substance. And that's a long game, y'all. That takes a lot of years and a lot of heartache and a lot of time in which it feels like nothing is changing at all. And yet the long game, the patient persistence is oftentimes the places where God reveals himself most every step of the way. You see, you have to do things that are beyond your ability, beyond your resources, beyond your education, and beyond your experience. That's where God shows up and shows off. That's where God bridges the gap in our lives and in our stories. When we launched Community Impact Day, Stand for Shelby, eight years ago, we didn't have the financial resources, the volunteer resources necessary to do that the right way. We couldn't afford to probably do that period eight years ago. Half a decade ago, when we tackled for the very first time Global Impact Day, we didn't have the money to purchase 25,000 meals to send around the world to help people have a meal who wouldn't have it otherwise. And yet what I believe with all of my heart is that in those days where we were doing things beyond our resources, beyond our capabilities, beyond what seemed possible, we were seeding the clouds then for what God is doing now. And why wouldn't we hear on the precipice of another opportunity like that, the Dream Center, in which everything on a piece of paper says that is dumb and it doesn't make sense? Why would we not say, God, I've seen you do the God possible before when we reach beyond our resources and beyond our experience and beyond our education, and we feel like you're calling us to this now, and so we're all in for it. We're going for it, we're pushing towards it, and we will be patiently persistent until your hand moves and the way you see fit for it to move. We want to be committed to creating a place where hope becomes habit. And maybe even more than that, buckle in, y'all, just for a second. We believe with all of our hearts around here, if the church simply stays within its own four walls and within its own capabilities, is it really a church at all? Y'all okay? If a church simply is relegated to sticking 
inside of its own four walls and its own abilities and capabilities? Is it really even a church at all? And before we tie a bow on number two, let me just be clear about something really quick because I think this is so important. See, oftentimes for me, when I become faithful and committed to something right here, right now, my expectation is that God is going to bless me in that thing right here, right now. And where I have to develop some maturity is understanding that that's not always how God works. That somehow, sometimes, my willingness to be faithful right here, right now, is seeding the, the clouds for God to bring blessing over there someday. And yet it doesn't make it any less worth it. Our ability to be patiently persistent opens doors in our lives and for our futures. And then lastly, if we want to seed the clouds, not only do we have to have a stronger imagination and patient persistence, but this is the bridge to our next series. We have to become people who are willing to pray bold prayers. This is what Elijah did. In verse 42, so Ahab went to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel and bowed low to the ground and prayed with his face between his knees. Elijah prayed with intensity for something big. Show me the size of your prayers, and I'll show you the size of your God. How big do you believe your God is? Your prayers should reflect that belief. You see, I believe with all of my heart that God honors bold prayers because bold prayers honor God. And too often we put God into a box because our faith only allows us to earnestly pray for things that are possible. Pick something bold to pray for and then be open to the time and the effort it will take to see that thing through. There's this absolutely incredible moment with the disciples that I love. It's a moment where Jesus has left this earth and the disciples have been tasked with this mission. Now go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, telling them about the good news, the hope of Jesus Christ. And the disciples are conflicted with this reality. We've seen what's possible at the hands of the Jewish religious system and the Jewish religious leaders. We've seen our teacher, our rabbi, our savior be hung on a cross at their hands. We know that they are powerful enough to make our lives miserable and to make us meet eternity far sooner than what we had hoped to. And furthermore, in this moment that we're going to read in, in scripture, we find this moment happening in the direct aftermath of the disciples being arrested, whipped, and beaten for talking about this guy named Jesus. And then these Jewish religious leaders come to Peter and John and they say, all right, we're going to release you, but what we need you to know is this. If we catch you talking about Jesus again, what you're going to experience is far worse than the whippings and the beatings that you just received. Your future and your life hangs in our hands. It's your choice. You want to keep talking about this guy? And immediately they, they leave jail and they go back home and the first prayer that they pray is this one in Acts 4.29. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in teaching your word. Are you kidding me? 
You want to talk about bold prayers? We've just been whipped and beaten and threatened with our life. God, make us bolder to reach more people for you, to do more daring things, to do the more risky things in our world, in our city, for the sake of reaching lost people for you. You want a bigger future? Pray bigger prayers. You see, seeding the clouds is about your future, no doubt. That's obvious. But it's about so much more than that as well. You see, I believe with all of my heart that that these things, a stronger imagination and patient persistence and bold prayers will change your life and change your 2023. But I also believe this with all of my heart. If you're a parent or a grandparent in the room, or maybe you're in the room and you just hope to be a parent someday, What I believe with all of my heart is that your imagination and your persistence and your prayers seed the clouds for the generations to come. Your imagination and persistence and prayers seed the clouds for generations that do not yet exist. And the reason that I believe that with all of my heart is because I believe that I am, some of y'all are living proof, that some of us are reaping blessings in our lives that we did not even pray for. How is that possible? Because a generation or two or three before you seeded the clouds for you. Prayed bold prayers that they didn't see right here, right now, but that you're now living sometime out there. And in our lives, we have that exact same opportunity. We can produce those exact same results by understanding and having the maturity to believe what I do now isn't just for now. If you really want to change your life, flip the script. Kiss the wave. Fly the kite. Eat the frog, cut the rope, wind the clock, but you can't forget what is imperative if you want a different future. You must also seed the clouds. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning, God, we are beyond grateful that you are a God who is constantly fighting for us to realize and reach the potential that you have given us, the dreams and desires that you have created us for, the tomorrows that you want to see us live out. But God, we must become people who are courageous enough to see that oftentimes tomorrow begins today. That we have opportunities to seed the clouds for our tomorrows with small beginnings today. And so God, my prayer throughout this entire series is for us as individuals to increase our level of courage to be able to see past what's humanly possible and to be able to catch a vision of what's God possible. But God doing so requires us 
to not just do what's natural, to not do what we've always done, to be willing in this moment, right here, right now, to lean into a stronger imagination, to become patiently persistent for what's good and right and healthy, and for us to become people who are capable of praying bold prayers. God, when we do that, we believe that all lives, our futures, but also the lives and the futures of those who come after us experience a completely different reality. May we be about that. It's in your name we pray. Amen.